Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. My name is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, our guest is George Stanford. Musicians have been leaving their hometowns for greener pastures for decades. The allure of a bigger city with more opportunity can be a beacon to performers from towns with a handful of stoplights. And there just aren't as many recording studios and music business executives in America's innumerable small towns as there are in New York, Los Angeles, and Nashville. But sometimes an artist from a big city moves to another one for other reasons. A change of scenery can do wonders for artistic inspiration. And some people make the journey because they discover that they share more of a kinship with people from other places with different ways of going about their lives. Or perhaps they're just tired of shoveling snow. Songwriter George Stanford is originally from Philadelphia, and he first came to Los Angeles to make a record. But when the record was finished, something else made him stay. And in the six and a half years since he came west, he has put down some serious roots here among the palm trees and gentle ocean breezes. He has one full-length album and two EPs under his belt, and he is currently putting the finishing touches on his sophomore release. His songs are a mixture of styles, but they are all anchored with his soulful tenor voice and a slightly unorthodox style on the guitar. Welcome to Independence Day, George Stanford. Great to be here, Joe. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Happy holidays to you. It's and holiday time. Christmas to you as well. Christmas is right around the corner. Indeed. So let's jump right into it, man. You know, you're, you're from Philadelphia originally, which is kind of like, it's got a reputation as kind of a hard-nosed eastern city. So why, you know, why California? I think I've kind of always been a Californian at heart a little bit. I can remember being three or four years old and hopping in the driver's seat playing, you know, pretend driving. And I always thought in my mind, I want to go to California. I don't know. I don't know if I saw a postcard or whatever it was, but uh, I've always been intrigued. And uh, I came out here to check it out. I think there's something in the American psyche, you know, as our society moved west, the whole... I mean, we're going to go way back to history class here, but the idea of manifest destiny. I, I think there's something to it, man. Which I was... Don't, I, don't, I don't... And I don't think it's instilled in everybody, but uh, I think those of us uh, who... I think that's why L.A. is an exciting place is because so many of us who meet up uh, and link up kind of have that same feeling of, you know, we don't really know what it was, but something pulled us out here. Yeah, and there's, it's, it's land's end for one thing. I mean, being from Philly, I mean, that's essentially land's end on the other side, but it doesn't have that romance that California has. I mean, maybe no. it's because the sun sets in the west and we're like pulled farther I, that way. I think, I think so. Something about the sun. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if it's, it's setting or if it's shining all the time. Yeah, well, and then there's the, the literal idea that, man, I mean, I'm not kidding. I mean, when I came out, I, I was tired of shoveling snow. Yes. You know, there's that whole adage that uh, you, you drive, you know what an ice scraper is, of course, for your uh, car scraping Indeed off your I windshield. do, yes. Did you do? Unfortunately. So you, you take one of those out and you keep driving west and south until the people who in, live in that area don't know what that thing right. is. And that's how you know you've gone far enough. Yeah. So you get to L.A. You were here to make a record initially, right? Yes. Was that your first major release? Um, it was my first... Yes, it was as a kind of a solo artist. I've, I had been in a band in Philadelphia for a uh, better part of six years, and that group broke up. And I decided to try my hand out here. And uh, I initially I fell into this record deal that took me out west uh, pretty quickly. So, yeah, I came out here to record uh, 
the George Stanford solo debut album. Okay. Yeah. And how long were you here before? I mean, did you maybe have it in the back of your mind that you thought, well, hey, you know, I'm going to go there and then I'm going to love it and I'm just going to stay? Or was there a point at which, you know, you'd been here and, you know, because there's something that does get into your bones when you've yes. been here for a few months. Like you start to smell yes. what California smells like in the morning. Yes. You know, in the springtime. And totally. Was there a moment where you're like, you know, I think I could do this here. Uh, you know, I can't think of that one single moment, but, uh, y- you know, I came out here uh, to actually to make a, a, initially a demo with a good friend of mine. And as I was recording that, this other situation happened where I, again, I stumbled into this record deal, which, but as I was making these demos with my friend, uh, he, this is a very, an awesome and a pretty fortunately well-connected friend. So in terms of studios, so we had, uh, we started making these demos at these kind of after hours, uh, you know, when no one else was around these amazing studios around town. And I think that's kind of initially what drew me in was being from Philadelphia, which is a, uh, a vi- actually a really vibrant, uh, town with a very deep talent pool pertaining to music uh but once i came out here and it was like it was like every night i was discovering this studio that you know surpassed anything that i had hung out around in or around in philly and they just seemed to keep going these discoveries and they still do and i think that's really initially what hooked me um but i think the sunshine uh, and the kind of that the sunny Southern California vibe had a lot to do with that as well. Yeah, it's that's really, really it. For me, it's it almost comes down to the Eagles in a funny way. Because, you know, <laughs> they, and when I was growing up, I and mean, that music was slightly before my time growing up, yes. but a lot of my older, you know, my aunts and uncles listened yeah. to the Eagles. And of course I did too, just because it was older didn't mean we didn't listen to it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that like, not necessarily the hedonistic aspect of it, although there was kind of that in, in there for amusement purposes. It was that idea, like, I remember just being madly in love with the cover of Hotel California. Yeah. Because it was like this hotel, and it was like Spanish architecture, which we certainly didn't have in Batavia, Illinois. No. And it had palm trees, and the sun was setting behind it, so it was all kind of, it was kind of silhouetted a little bit, and there were like some blue lights, and it, and it, it just, it was a, it set this scene Yes. In my head, that then my head could then populate the rest of what my dream would be. Right. You know, based on that idea. Well, I mean, for me, I grew up, uh, a big thing for me, actually, I grew up surfing, believe it or not. In Philly? It, well, in New Jersey. Okay. Um, my dad, uh, my dad got me into surfing because he spent time growing up in Hawaii uh, as for part of his childhood. And, and uh, when my dad was in his 40s, he 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 decided he wanted to rediscover surfing and as a result i i he hooked me on the process and we would drive to new jersey and surf really early in the morning and uh, i grew up reading these surf magazines and looking at pictures of uh malibu and ventura and the california coast so that was somewhere i think deep in kind of that was uh, that seed was planted when i was a yeah. teenager as well that i i wanted to come out here i wanted to see the waves i wanted to check them out for myself and i've i've been doing that as well yeah it's certainly an attract you know, the, the weather the uh the the mountains the ocean you know all of it being right here i mean it's i i still think you know having lived in new york and spent a lot of time in new york i think new york is still the center of our culture mm-hmm. as western culture it's yes. a cooler place than la yeah 
Yeah. But I think uh, having lived in New York, I would actually, at least for this point in my life, I would rather live in Los Angeles. It's easier well, to live I here. I love New York so much. I love New York City. Um, it seems, I mean, for me as uh, as as uh, a musician, I don't I don't want to take the easy way out at all. But it, for in terms of quality of life, I feel like for the amount of money you're going to put down for a place to live in. Uh, food on the table, all the things that you need to, you know, to live. Uh, I, I, I just struggle just finding, f- just thinking about how I would be happy in New York in terms of, uh, you know, a little space outside to live in. It's not e- even necessarily the weather, um, but it's just uh, in terms of overall quality of life and living situation. I think L.A. for an up, up and coming or, you know, uh, artists developing their skills, I think it's, it appears to be a friendlier place to me. Yeah. We'll use the term friendly kind of loosely. Well, friendly may be a stretch because, because I mean that, that taps into the, the, a bit of the dark side. Yeah. It's, it's fertile. Maybe it's fertile. Maybe that's a better word. Yeah. Maybe that's the right way. It's like fertile, so loamy soil in which to, you know, put down roots and to grow and to, you know, the thing that I found about New York was, uh, you know, having played in bands in New York, I mean, it was great. And there, like I said, there's no cooler place in the U.S. But it was logistically complicated. Oh my god! To play in bands in New York because I, you can't have a you can't have a car. My blood pressure rises thinking about all the times I rolled through New York in the tour. You know, in the in the tour van with a trailer uh, to play at you know Mercury Lounge, whatever it is, different venues around New York, and just and then you have to park the rig and you have to. But you don't have to just park a 15-passenger van. You have to park a 15-pass with a trailer. And all all you touring musicians know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and just, I mean, just the stress of doing that in New York, it's it's enough to drive you crazy. Well, even when I'm living there, playing around town, you know, I felt like a Sherpa. You know, I, I, I tell this story a lot on the show, but, you know, I would have a deluxe reverb, just like yours, on, mm-hmm. on, one, on one hand. And I would have uh, an electric guitar on my back, an acoustic guitar in my other hand, mm-hmm. and then a bag of cables and stands, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, that's that's heavy stuff. And I'm like walking down five flights of stairs, sure, and then walking to the, the the you know ACE train, and then going down into the subway, sure. and then navigating through that, and then getting on the train, and then getting up the stairs. At Man, the gig. I, I talk about this all the time with uh, the, the my buddy Maddie, who plays drums with me. Uh, he, you know, he's an incredible musician, one of my favorite musicians. But he's from New York. He's a New Yorker, and He's, he's living out here now, but I talk about, you know, we talk about this, like him dragging his drum kit on the subway or whatever, you know, yeah, on a whatever you have to do to get to the gig or your several gigs in the night. It's just like, it's crazy. It is crazy. Um, but hey, you know, that said, Los Angeles is a completely crazy, weird place. So yeah, it's definitely crazy in its own way um, because it's, it's kind of a laconic, you know, it's got this. It's laid back, but yet kind of intense at all, all at the same time. So intense. You it's know? such an intense place. And, uh, you know, because it's so saturated with performers and writers and artistic types, you know, getting, building uh, a base or building a group of people to come out to see you play is a much bigger challenge, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. Because uh, people in New York, like, they're, they want to be out. You know, because their places are small, so they're mm-hmm. out all the time. Right. Eating and dining and checking right. out bands and going to bars but here you know everybody 
like it's it's like a uh, what they call it a bedroom community almost, or it's a, they roll up the streets at night to a certain extent. Totally, you, know, you go home and you go to bed because you knew it might be an hour's drive from the venue. You know, uh, absolutely, and you can't just hop on the subway and yeah. then walk home. I mean, it's a huge pain in the you know huge pain in the ass. Let's you know you have to face it. Let, like you can't. Uh, navigate LA in the same way you would New York. And as a result, I think socially it has a huge social impact. I mean, so many nights I want to go out, uh, late, but I won't just because, you know, I'm going to have to drive the 40 minutes to get to my destination. Yeah. And, uh, and I, th that has a big effect on, and uh, not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily a good thing. So, uh, yeah, I wish it wasn't that way. I have so many friends who play all the time. And I'm a busy guy. My schedule's all over sure. the place, but even when I do have the time, it's like, man, I'm tired from driving. Well, it's not just even going to a gig or seeing some music. It's like catching up with a buddy who lives across town. It seems like the Odyssey or something sometimes, you know, like I've, I have like, <laughs> I have so many friends in LA that I see way yeah. too, uh, you know, infrequently just yeah. simply because, you know, we live across town. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, just planning a trip across town here, you know, it takes a day. So I have a friend uh, who lives in Long Beach and I always joke with him. He never comes north of the 405. No yeah. Way. Well, it's a different country over it's there. It's a different country. It's, yeah. it's, that's like Ensenada to me. Yeah. In any case, my guest tonight on Independence Day, George Stanford. He's an L.A. based singer, songwriter, guitar player, really facile guitar player. I like watching you play, man. It's good stuff. Thank you. Uh, I learned about him actually opening up for one of my favorite bands, another Independence Day band, the band Hem from New York. We just had on this show just, uh, I don't know, a couple months ago or so. He was the opening act there, and I like what he did, so I reached out to him, and here we are. So let's listen to something. You've got a brand new record that is almost done, right? Almost done. It's uh, We are completing the mixing phase and then on to the mastering, and uh, I'm very proud of it. I think it's... Uh I think it's my best yet. Yeah, and you've already got one full-length record and a couple EPs and a bunch of random other cuts already under your belt. So you know you're not you're not uh, you're not a greenhorn to this. No, kind of thing. I've been at it for a while. So let's uh, let's play this track. I mean, the the record is tentatively titled uh, "Am I Free?" Yes. So that that's subject to change, ladies and gentlemen. Keep for those of you keeping score at home, keeping you on the edge of your seat. It, it may change, but for now, uh, tentatively titled "I Am Free," the title track from that record. Let's listen to this. We'll come back. We'll talk about a little bit about George Stanford's new record.
George Stanford here on Independence Day with the track Am I Free, which may or may not be the title track from his record, Am I Free. We'll find out about that very shortly because it's slated to come out February or so, you're thinking? Yes, uh, probably February. February. So it's, you know, you're you're mixing, you've got mastering yet to go? Yes. Okay. Almost so done mixing. Right where, uh, where are you in terms of your career and are you, you, you'll make CDs, you'll make vinyl, you'll just do digital distribution. I mean, where, where you, do you lie on that continuum? That's a very good question. Uh, currently, I'm thinking of doing a small, very small run of CDs. What's small As, to you? Probably start with a thousand um, and take it from there. I mean, yeah. I, CDs, especially in the last couple of years, I've found such a devaluation in CDs, except when I'm playing live a uh, tour date or playing a show. And when somebody wants that music, it's like, it's better than a download card. It's better than, I think anything. Most people aren't vinyl fans, although I, I do hope to do a, uh, also a small vinyl pressing of this new record. Um, I don't know. It's still the best way to put uh, the music in somebody's hand right after the show. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. A lot of musicians will echo that sentiment where when they're on the road, uh, there's nothing about a download card as convenient as it may be. You know, they may lose it on the way home. They're out sure. drinking. Who knows? Uh, you know, they, but there's nothing about a download card that is a... Um, a talisman from the event. There's nothing that reminds them of, yeah, I, I saw this guy and he was awesome. And I went to the merch table and I got him to sign my download card. Right. Like that's lame. It is lame. You know, want to, they want to have something, you know, that's your picture. Hey, that's the guy or the girl and take it home. And that's, that's kind of a, a what am I, tchotchke is not the word I'm looking for. You know, yeah. it's a uh, thing. Memento. Yeah. Memento. Yeah. That's the best word. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so how many tracks in the record? I mean, is this, I mean, are you the guy that, cause that's the thing when CDs first came out, people were cramming 15 songs on sure. records, but Van Halen song albums were like 30 minutes long with eight songs or seven songs. Right. Where are you on that, that continuum? Um, I, uh, I tend to side in the, uh, to, uh towards, uh, something concise. Um, you know, as, as, and that kind of, I think bleeds into what I do as a songwriter. You know, I love a good three, three and a half minute song even a two and a half minute song. And I think uh, my record is going to echo that in terms of, uh, you know, 10, 11, maybe 12 songs, but kind of to the point, I yeah. think is the way I like to do it. Yeah. I think I'd like to jump right into the live songs here because you've got a guitar and I love, I really want people to get a feel for what you're all about because you do this really unique thing that a lot of acoustic guitar players or a lot of guitar players period don't do. And that's one of the things I found very interesting about your live show. when I saw you with the Troubadour opening for him, which is, uh, you know, how many times over has, has the guitar and vocal thing been done? You know, like a guy, the, the Bob Dylan thing. 
you know, tried and true. So, you know, here we are, it's almost 2014. We're like a week away from the, the new year, the, in the new millennium, everything's changed. Oh my God. Yeah. So you're, yeah, exactly. Seriously. It's, it's getting more complicated. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got a whole millennium to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're doing a thing where you use a lot of effects on your guitar. You've got like this giant pedal board, yeah. which are these things, you know, if you're not a musician, you'll see guitar players and bass players too. Like, tapping their feet on this yeah. little board in front of them. And the, all these little boxes do all kinds of crazy things to yes. your sound. But they can be, what, what impressed me about you and continues to impress me about you is that you don't overuse them. Mm -hmm. Because people can go, it's very easy to go bananas mm -hmm. with pedals. Yes. And, you know, so when I'm, it's, I'm, I'm very judgmental. When I yes. go to a show and I see somebody who's got a huge rack of gear yes. or a huge pedal board, it's As like, okay. I. It's like, As okay. You know, I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but the minute you start making lame noises with that, As you've lost I. me. So I. you very deftly, even though your pedal board is enormous, <laughs> you use it very tastefully. Thank like, you. Tell, tell me what, how you use this power for good. Thank you. Well, uh, it is, uh, it is an, an, an immense power that can be used for uh, uh, very bad things. And I've and we and we all dread it. I'm the same way. I I don't think it's snobbery. I think it's uh, I don't know. I think we're used to seeing, uh, you know, you see somebody and with a huge effects board like that, and it's it's almost like they're trying to hide something. Um, and that's kind of what I run from. I mean, basically, my thing was when I uh, I decided I, I was in a band, a very cool, crazy band for a few years, uh, based in Philly. And when I broke off on my own, I mean, I'm a songwriter and I'm, I'm were mainly you, at home. Were you the front man in that band? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm mainly at home, especially, uh, as a songwriter on the guitar. And so I'm thinking of my vehicle of how to express my songs to people. Um, but I didn't want to just do like the strummy strum thing on the acoustic. And so I started looking around and I can actually remember the, the day that kind of my life changed was when I, I stumbled into uh, blue bond guitars on uh, third street in Philadelphia. And I asked to check out their memory, man, their delay pedal. This is this del analog delay pedal that all you guitar players out there will have heard of or, or know. And for those the, those who are uninitiated, a delay pedal is a fancy word for echo. That's right. To, I'm ten, sorry. Ten, no, you, no need to apologize. The non-musicians, it's, it's like, it sounds like an echo. We call it delay, which is either analog or digital or some combination right. of the two. So you're hearing what you play uh, echoed back to you. And, and then within that, there's all these variations, these variables in terms of how many echoes you hear, what happens to that echo? Uh, and this specific pedal, uh, it really did change my life because I sat and they have this cool little, unlike Guitar Center where you're out there with the huddled masses, uh, they have this nice little closet where you close the soundproof door. And I started playing and it just opened up an entire world for me. Um, and when I brought it home, uh, it kind of cracked open my songwriting too because suddenly I wasn't just writing songs with the sound of an acoustic guitar. It was this kind of... Uh, watery uh otherworldly thing that then i was was helping me kind of shape my lyrics so um yeah so that was kind of my my first uh my first uh experience with uh effect pedals and since then i've kind of been cautiously expanding in that uh I, i'm i'm you know like you said my whole thing is uh is uh moderation and and trying to do it tastefully so uh yeah, trying to mix in these new sounds. 
you do good stuff with it, man. Let's hear what it sounds like. This is George Stanfield here on Independence Day. What was this track called? This one is uh, is a is a new one. Actually, I wrote for my uh, my my baby, my son uh, River. It's called Happy as You Are. All right, and songs for babies. That's a good thing. Let's hear this, George Stanford here on Independence Day. I hope you flow through life like the river that you are. Never say I can't, never try too hard. Here's hoping you'll always be. Happy as you are right now with me May you carry the light when the road gets dark Love just enough to break your heart Seize each opportunity And stay happy as you are right now with me You could have the answer, you could find the cure You could be the one we've been looking for I think you know the secret, but you won't tell I think you're gonna do it, gonna do it well, yeah Never too much work, never too much play if you're gonna go, don't go halfway You better listen up good before you speak And say happy as you are right now with me Cause you could have the answer, you could find the cure You could be the one we've been looking for I think you know the secret, but you won't tell I think you're gonna do it, gonna do it well These are never-ending battles You gotta know which one to fight It's a cold world and it needs more good people doing right We could always use another Strong and quiet lover To remind me I could feel the way I do Happy as I am right now with you the answer you could find the cure you could be the one we've been looking for i think you know the secret but you won't tell i think you're gonna do it gonna do it well yes you are i hope you flow through life like the river that you are Never say I can't, never try too hard Here's hoping you'll always be Happy as you are right now with me Happy as you are right now with me Happy as you are right now with me George Stanford here on Independence Day. You can learn about him at georgestanford.com. Traditional spelling, nothing fancy there. 
He's got all the usual sites and all the usual places. So if you look him up, you're bound to find him. But Facebook.com slash George Stanford Music. Follow him on Twitter at George Stanford. It's, you know, it's kind of hard to get those handles, you know, because your name, George Stanford, you know, it's not the most rare name in the world, Joe Armstrong. I have yeah. JoeArmstrong.com. Amazing. And I got it. You know, I got it. It was years ago, but even back then it was pretty... You had pretty to pay f- a few million was, dollars for that. You had but, to pay a million dollars, yeah. you know. I was surprised that my name was available. Yeah, you gotta... You know, it's crazy. I was hearing somebody the other day talk about, because I have, a, as I said, with the, that last tune, Happy As You Are, it's for my, my, my small son who's eight and a half months. People are talking about getting the handles for their kids now. It's like, whoa, I don't know. I'm not even going there yet. Yeah, people, we live in a weird time, the whole helicopter parent issue, where, uh, you know, we all want the best for our kids. Yes. Everyone does and always has. But I feel like it's gotten out of hand. You know, we're we're at a place where it seems like, I mean, I was reading articles about people talking to colleges about their kid who's like a year old. Like, like, like making, yeah, Maron, <laughs> making, uh, making, you know, kind of like, a, like education futures payments in a way. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm about to find out about all this stuff with my boy, but uh, yeah, this is your first. It is my first, but yes, daunting to say the least, I would say. How has, you know, cause it's a new kid. So, and you haven't yes. done a record since he's been, what's his name? River. River. Yeah. River in singular, not rivers, but river. River, yeah. Uh, so since he arrived, you haven't done a record. You've been playing shows. Have you toured? You haven't toured since I he's haven't been toured uh, kind of in the in the uh, time leading up to his birth and after. Um, I did, however, uh, and my wife is extremely cool. I, I booked the studio time, and I knew this was the, the best time for me to cut it. So when he was about five weeks old, is actually when I went into the studio to get all the the basic tracks for this new record. Your wife is extremely cool. She's 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 amazing. Uh, so I, it was very uh, emotional and a very fresh experience for me to be in there at that time. And we cut for about five days straight, and we did about twenty five songs. Me and my trio there in the studio, you know, getting drums, bass, and my guitar. Yeah, which is the meat and potatoes of, right. of making a record. That's pretty common. Yes. You go in, you lay the basic tracks, and you kind of adorn it as necessary. Right. But how did, I mean, I guess it'll, it remains to be seen. He's pretty young. You said he's eight and a half months? Eight and a half months now, yeah. So, and, and if I haven't said it already, congratulations. Thank you very what much. What an amazing accomplishment. Uh, well, I don't know about that. Uh, well, it <laughs> is. You, you, have, you have a little human. It is a, a miniature human. You have a human being, and you're... <laughs> yeah. You know, you are responsible. I am very responsible for, for him. Yes. In, in every way, shape, and form. But it's a, it's a great, it's a really, really beautiful thing. It is. Uh, so how, even in this short amount of time, because, you know, now that, you know, you've got nine months of pregnancy, so you're about double that now. Yeah. Um, how has it changed your perspective on, like, m- your music? You know, is it, is, has it? Um, you know, it has, it, it has in a way that... Uh, all of the, you know, and it's it's cliche, I think, a bit to say that it kind of brings into focus what really matters. But, uh, you know, I think any any musician who's out there trying to do this for a living can identify with me, uh, and especially in L.A. here, just with what a crazy hustle and what a what a sometimes difficult and it can be degrading. It can be it can be really kind of feel like a lonely road and. Uh, you know, waking up every morning and seeing River's uh, smiling face, it really does 
put things in perspective uh, about what's important and what I'm, you know, what, what am I chasing and what am I trying to do here with my music and my life? And uh, so it's, it's ultimately, I think, a really, it's been a really good thing for me to think about those things. And I, I think it's good for everybody to think about those. It's just a baby is going to really make you think about those things. Yeah, you have no choice. You have no choice but to confront uh, your fears and, uh, you know, and ask these questions. The child is very vocal about it, his or her displeasure yes. and unforgiving. Yes. You know, so it, it, they, the child will let you know. If They'll you let would. you know, and, and you have to adapt quickly. I, when I when I think about that kind of thing, you know, I, it, maybe this hopefully this isn't too whimsical, but I think um, I would love to have kids because I would like a different set of problems. Yes, you know, I've been worrying about my musical issues for two decades or more. Right, you know, and to to have a little person, I mean, even even though I know, I mean, I'm the oldest of five, so I, I kind of get it to a certain extent. Yeah. I've got friends who've gone through this, and I would love to have kids, uh, and I hope I do, um, but. Like I, 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 there's a part of me that honestly longs for that sea change in perspective. Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said it's a new set of problems, or you know, it's really a new set of challenges. And Same that's, thing, yeah. And that's really what it is every day, and it's resetting every day. And it, it actually, for me, it has actually been very refreshing because I've been able to like put all these things that I stress over incessantly kind of on the back burner and, and you need to, well, I'm stressing over new things now, but uh, it's really as, as he's growing and changing so much every day, every week, it's, it's just a new set of challenges. What worked, yeah. uh, y- what worked yesterday will not necessarily yeah. work today. What worked last night, so he'll sleep the night, na- won't yeah. necessarily work tonight. So it's, you're, it's a constantly, uh, adapting thing uh you know you have to constantly adapt and and that uh that ultimately is i think a good thing for me musically and and as uh, and how i approach my career because it's it's the same thing in the music business I think. yeah in, in a strangely narcissistic way like i almost think even more specifically than like what didn't work yesterday in terms of child care and child maintenance is the idea that like i'm stuck in my cycles Mm-hmm. of the things I've been doing. And I'll probably be doing this, those same things for the rest of my life. That's you know, right. And I'm not talking about like really bad habits and I'm not saying I'm a drug addict or anything like that. Yeah. But like I know my patterns right. and I know like the funny little eddies I get into and the little whirlpools I get sure. into. And to have a kid, it's like, okay, that stuff goes out the window yeah. now. You know, And it's like I, I welcome that idea that like I'm accountable to someone else yes. and my wife. Yeah. And now it's time to... It, Get rid of that stuff. Yeah. What's that? What's that biblical phrase like? Let go of childish things. Right. You know, like finally at at my advanced age, well, to to do something else really for someone else. You know, you know the other thing that I found it does because uh, really the 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 paramount thing that I found in this experience uh, is time. Uh, the way that you perceive time, the way that it passes, it's it's different now with this with this little creature where you can see the milestones and, and, and that makes you think about your milestones and where you are in relation to him. Um, in any case, I think that's a very important thing, all, you know, pertaining to music too. You know, I think yeah. that's, uh, music is based on time, uh, in both, both literal, literal and figurative senses. And, and that's, uh, you know, the, the observance of time and its passage has kind of been, you know, 
one of the main things that I've gotten out of this so far. Vibrations in time, man. Yes, yes. That's all it is. Yeah. It's oscillation in time. How about another tune, man? I mean, we've gotten down the baby road, which is a good road. Yeah, well, it's let's get road. out of the baby road for a minute. Let's uh, get out of the for yeah. So let's what we've got something else for well, us here. Before we leave the baby road, this next tune actually uh it's funny. It's called uh I can see the music and I wrote this after uh, I have another good friend. Uh, I have a good friend who has a, he's almost three now, his boy, his boy Hunter. And, and he was telling me, uh, as an excited father, my friend was telling me, man, my boy Hunter last night, he put on uh, my sunglasses and all of a sudden he says, I can see the music, daddy. I can see the music. So that just kind of hit hit a nerve in me, and it it uh, inspired me to write this song. Man, what a perfect segue! Yeah, right. Couldn't that, that could I couldn't have planned that if I tried. <laughs> All right, man. Let's hear what this sounds like. I want to hear what this inspiration sounds like, writ large, in terms of a song. This is relatively new as well. This is a new one. This All is right. Uh, All right. yeah. All right. Once Great again, song. George Stanford here on Independence Day. See the music when I close my eyes. I can see the music dancing like the northern lights. I can see the music. Riding waves to go for days, watching time. Take a breath and die Moving on Beautiful song You look like faith An old familiar face An old familiar face I can see the music When I close my eyes I can see the music Dancing like the northern lights I can see the music 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 Every note Music Putting on a show Music And never repeat Music What a sound to see A masterpiece I can see the music When I close my eyes I can see the music Dancing like the northern lights 
Cause I can see the music And I don't wanna lose it I can see the music The music My name is Joe Armstrong. I'm the host of Independence Day. Every week I bring you artists from all over the country. Tonight's guest comes to you from Los Angeles by way of Philadelphia, or perhaps Philadelphia by way of Los Angeles, depending on how you want to look at it. But he's based here. He's been here about six and a half years. He's made his home here. He's put down roots here. He's got a son here. Uh, and he makes great music, man. I really like what he does. You can learn about him at georgestanford.com. And please do drop by indepday.com. You'll be able to hear all these songs and all of the other almost 100 artists we have. And we're planning something special for our 100th episode, so I hope you check that out. Tell me, you know, in one of your videos, and one of your EPs is called Las Palmas. Yes. Which is based on a, uh, a house you lived in in yes. Hollywood, right? Um, kind of a happy story and a sad story. Why don't you give me the, the short version of this, this house? Well, uh, let's see. When uh, Actually, when I first came out here uh, to make some demos with a friend, we caught the L.A. bug. My, my, uh, she wasn't my wife yet at that point, but uh, my wife now, Nicole, and I caught the bug. And uh, on our way to the airport leaving L.A., we said, I think we would like to do this. We'd like to take the jump and try it out here. And uh, on the way to the airport, we checked out this Craigslist uh, listing. Uh, and it was... Uh, we jumped on it. It was perfect. It was this little back bungalow off of Las Palmas Avenue in Hollywood. Um, it was uh, built on the... It was this little uh, kind of two-bedroom shack kind of built on what I what I later found out was uh, the servants' quarters on an asparagus farm. Um, and it just had this really cool vibe to it. Uh, pine floors... Uh, high ceilings. It sounded really good in there. Um, and cheap rent. Very cheap rent. And uh, and I so I set my studio up in there, and uh, and uh, we made it happen. And we moved in there. So this place kind of, it kind of took on a life of its own. Uh, simply just, I think, uh, it, well, it had the vibe in there, but also, you know, I was making a lot of music in there. I was producing not only my records, but uh, good friends of mine around Hollywood and. As my network grew, so did kind of the the vibe in this place, and uh, and so it took on a life of its own. And and this last EP, my last release, Las Palmas, was uh, it was recorded there, and and I think it kind of uh, keeps some of the ghosts from that place in in those recordings. So what? Uh, how long do you live on Las Palmas in this place? We lived there for uh, about five years, actually, and then. Uh, uh, we were we actually had to move. Uh, it was knocked down to create these condos where if you drive by now, it's this kind of like new modern looking condo building, which, which is, is far superior. Well, I guess so. I progress, guess so. man. They call it progress. Get but out of I'm the not sure. Get out of the way, man. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of the way. The bulldozers come. Yeah, that was that was kind of the deal. You know, in five years, I mean, that's a that's a that's enough time. You know, because I yeah. feel like. Little scenes have a life cycle. Yes. Just like, just like a band. I feel right. like every band has a life cycle. Right. And especially if that band isn't like uh, financially self-sustaining. Right. In other words, if your band reaches a point at which 
you know, you're touring, everybody's making money, living off of that, you know, and I know some folks who are doing that, but mm -hmm. I know more folks who are on the other side sure. where it's like, it's kind of like they're doing other things to stay alive and they've yep. got a band. They're very serious about their music and they are professional to the extent that they're making records, they're getting paid, maybe sure. even doing scoring work or whatever. Um, but if that band isn't completely financially self-sustaining, bands have like a five-year life cycle. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, you know, you, everyone's excited. You write some tunes, you do a record. Yeah. You play maybe some, uh, a regional tour, maybe a, like a little national tour in a van. Yeah. You come back. Uh, maybe you get some attention. Yeah. You get a song in a TV show, and then you do a second. And then the bass player sleeps and, well, with then, your then, sister. Then, then you do a second record. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The bass player is banging your sister. Then you do uh, a second record, but it's more of teeth pulling this time because now you've got like a little bit of support behind you from yeah. like maybe an indie label right. but yet because there's a little bit of money now there's pressure and now there's right. deadlines and everybody starts infighting yeah. and then the bass player starts banging your sister <laughs> yeah. and then you just summed up my first band now and that could be <laughs> and then you know so then like this usually seems to be what happens like you make the second record the band falls apart while making the second yes, record very very common and then by the time the record comes out the right. bass player lives in boston right and you know well with I, your sister i i mean like you know you, you have to face the facts that is it's just it's very it's a difficult road and all these things happen you know i mean being in a band is uh, a very wise man once told me that the band thing is like uh the same things that make a band uh incredible are the same things that make a band nearly insufferable you know the different personalities that come to the table I mean, that's what makes the melting pot. That's what makes the great uh, music. But at the same time, just dealing with three, four, five opinions, it's, you know, it's enough to drive any man crazy. So, I mean, looking at some of the great bands that have lasted, uh, you know, having been through several band experiences myself, it, tip of the cap, you know what I mean? Uh, that's oh, yeah. very hard to do. It's phenomenal. Yeah. The fact that the, you know, the Rolling Stones, for example, probably the most the band with the most longevity that I can think of of any band. Yeah. Um, you know, the Beatles came and went and, right. you know, ostensibly I, a better band. I'm not going to put a value judgment on it, but more, I, more, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say a better band. Yeah. Well, <laughs> more influential perhaps, but not far behind. The stones aren't that no, far behind. No, of course. And me personally, that's my, my own. Yeah. You know, and then you two came and like all the different styles, you know, that yeah. came and went. Um, the fact that they can even talk to each other, you know, oh. after all this time is, it's, is remarkable. It's the, crazy. The, the, why, the phrase I like to use is, if you're in a band with three people, mm -hmm. it's like being married to three people. Yes. If you're in a band with six people, it's like being married to six it's people. It's true. Because all of the same pressures, I mean, except... With, except for the banging, which we discussed yeah, yeah. with that, which although may be part of it too. Well, it uh, depends what kind of band you're in. Depends what kind of band you're in. If you're in Fleetwood Mac, for example, yeah. uh, you know these things all apply, and you know it, people get stressed about things, and people there's and there's money issues because you know, people fight about money. Money bands fight about money. It's the oh, same yeah. exact concept. Oh yeah. Um, well, you know, an interesting phenomenon in the music business is uh, it's what I call monopoly money. You know. And I've been in this situation a few times with bandmates or whatever where you're arguing over assets or money that actually don't exist yet, yeah. you know, where it's like you're making a record and it's like you're doing like the publishing splits or something and it's like, okay, well, uh, you know, you get in these huge massive blowout fights with actually money that doesn't even exist, you know what I mean? Yeah. This has come up just a couple times recently in recent shows and I, I referenced the same thing. Uh, bands that are successful share the money 
Mm-hmm. You know, even the guy, you know, uh, the, the best example I can think of personally is Counting Crows, mm-hmm. where Adam Duritz does the lion's share of the writing. Right. But he, from the get-go, if I'm understanding this correctly, decided he was going to share his publishing royalties right. with the band from the get-go. Right. So if you're in the band, and there's, yeah. you know, a handful of guys in the band. Yeah. Uh, they're, they all get a cut of that. And you yeah. too, I think, is another example of that as well. Yes. I think they're divided evenly, 25, yeah. 25, 25, 25. Yeah, I 25. think that's a common thing. You, I think you're right. Bands that, uh, that last, uh, there's at least some sharing. Because it's, it, it doesn't, when it comes down to it, it doesn't matter who's doing what exactly. You're all part of this experience, and it wouldn't be the same. With, that's why it's a band. It's that's a right. band. To deconstruct the term band. That's right. From music band. It's a band. It could be a band of brothers, a band of soldiers, a band of whatever. And you're all doing it, man. And you know, a lot of those groups that, you know, like that, I mean, they, they come up together and in their youth, they, 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 they hang on, they basically hang on to that, uh, that idea that you can, it's kind of the all for one thing. Yeah, and and I think especially as you as you know as you get older and forming band stuff, that's that's a more difficult uh, thing to really to get everybody on board with, you know. Most definitely, music. How about more music? More music. Yeah, we're talking about music. We play more music is what I'm saying. Let's let's play more music. Okay, what's next, man? This song is called Lemonade. This song I actually wrote for a film that I was uh, contributing some some original songs to several years ago. And it uh, came out, I think, being I think being a, one of my stronger songs. Um, so I I, uh, I have an acoustic version out of this now, and uh, the new full band version will be available on my new record. It's called Lemonade. So so far, all these tunes are going to be on the new record. Yes. All right, man. I'm looking forward to this. I can't wait to hear what this sounds like. So this is George Stanford here on Independence Day. One more time, a brand new track called Lemonade played live in our studio. Okay, this is Lemonade. nothing goes Just how you plan But it made me strong Made me a man When I'm looking back someday I won't have one complaint Took life as it came Made some pretty good lemonade Maybe down the road I'll find my way When I'm there, I'll know what led me astray. Cause when I'm looking back someday, I won't have one complaint. I took life as it came, made some pretty good lemonade. 
When the time will come I hope you can say That you had some fun Cause when I'm looking back someday I won't have one complaint I took life as it came Made some pretty damn good lemonade Stanford here on Independence Day. Happy holidays from my house to yours, from our house to yours. We've got trees here, Christmas trees here in the studio. We've got a dog here in the studio somewhere. I think she's asleep, though. Quite festive. She's making all kinds of racket during these songs. Well, I hope yeah. it doesn't come up. She's moving a little bit, but it uh, it's adds to the vibe here. I think she's dreaming, actually, right now. It looks like I it. Her like legs it. are moving I around. Can, in that kind I can of... just barely see her. I wonder, uh, uh, you know, what, what are they dreaming about, man? Uh... Who knows? Squirrels and eating garbage? I like to think it's something more grandiose. Like, uh, I don't know. You know, at Thanksgiving time, she's she's the studio dog, by the way. This is Sally. Yes. Uh, the love of my life. Sally ate an entire apple pie off the counter. Good for her. When she was unattended. You got to get it where you can, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> like I always say, man, if uh, dogs wouldn't have made it this far on the evolutionary continuum by not eating food on the counter. Right. That's, that's you how know, they go. One time, my, my parent's dog, Amos, uh, who's R.I.P. Amos, he's, in a, he's on uh, the big farm in the sky now. Uh, but he uh, once ate a ch- an entire chocolate cake Ooh, off their table. That's not good. And he was rushed to the vet, and he survived that. But, uh, man, that was a scary one. <laughs> you think they'd know better. But, but that's the thing about dogs, man. Dummies. Just a, just a, it's a walking heart. Lovable what dummies. Is. Lovable dummies. The best, best creature on the planet, is totally. if you ask me, man. So let's talk. We've got a little bit more time here. I think we've got enough time for about one more song. But before we get to that, I want to talk... I mean, I'm going to use the term loosely. I'm going to talk about heroes for a second. Um, and I don't have to be as, as uh, to use that term again, grandiose. I don't have to be as grandiose as a hero. But who were the musicians when you were a kid mm. that you listened to that made you like burn to do this? Mm. You know, that made you think like, man, that's something. You know, I got to do that. That's a good question. I think that starts with actually my my older brother Isaac. He's the one who he started playing electric guitar when he was about thirteen, so it's about ten, and he got uh, into what gu- guitar players get into. He got into Hendrix and then Van Halen, probably. The, uh, you know, actually, I got into Van Halen on my own, which was kind of another interesting sort of story. But um, he was into like the Led Zeppelin and the Hendrix and all this great classic rock that. Uh, kind of started lighting my fire and he when he went to he he went to college in Asheville North Carolina oh good town great town and he uh he got up with some good musicians there and started a series of bands that uh as a young teenager I would take the bus from Philly to go down there and uh sit in with these bands it's a pretty long bus ride it's a long bus ride and my mom was extremely cool to let me do that uh when I was uh young you know so young to go visit my brother 
But uh, I actually started as a uh, as a horn player, as a trombone player. So I would take my horn down there on the bus to Asheville and sit in with his uh, funk band, or he was in this great reggae band for a few years. Um, and and I remember one late night there, uh, sitting in with the horn. Our buddy Walker was playing the organ, and my brother Isaac was playing the guitar. And it was like, uh, I don't know, I just had the the the. I just had that epiphany moment, you know, it was like, yeah, this is, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Were your parents, I mean, it seems that you had a musical brother. Were your parents supportive of these musical endeavors or were they like, have your fun and then get real at some Man, point? Man, my parents were, uh, and still are so incredibly supportive. Uh, I, I'm, I feel so lucky. Uh, it's a blessing beyond belief, I think, for some it, people. You know, it really is. I mean... They uh, have encouraged me to chase my dreams this entire time. And it's not, it's like not once have they tried to steer me towards anything that uh, they think would be better for me, although perhaps they do. I'm not sure. But uh, no, they've been so incredibly supportive. I, I consider myself very lucky. And kudos to them, man. Yeah. Uh, That's really super cool. It is. They're great people. I mean, they're music lovers to the, to the, uh, to the, end the hill. To the hilt, so yeah, they. Uh, I like to think that they knew that uh, I was making good music. There are times where I feel like I need to remind myself, uh, you know, when I feel like I'm not doing as well as I should be doing musically, or I'm not doing as well as I should be in my life, or you know, we're, we're all very judgmental people of ourselves. I yes. think, uh, and I, I need to remind myself, and I'm going to remind myself right now that my I'm doing exactly what I was taught to do. Mm-hmm. I was taught to follow my dreams yeah. as a young man, as a, you know, every step along the way, my parents were exemplary. I, I couldn't be happier with yeah. the folks I had in terms of that. You know, my dad, I'm sure he must've rolled his eyes at certain eras of guitar tone in my oh, world, yeah. uh, being a very simpler classic rock Clapton kind of oh, guy. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I was ta- taught to do. Yeah. You know, in that regard, I guess I've succeeded because I continue to do so. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so here's to our parents, man. Absolutely. Good people. So Love you, mom and dad. Indeed. Yeah, you too, mom and dad. You're the best. The best. Simply the best this holiday season. Okay. Can't wait best. to see you. Yeah. I'm going home to see him soon. Um, how did your heroes, okay, your heroes started off, so it's your your brother. You know, yeah, and I mean, that's around. an early one for me. And then, and then of course, uh, musically speaking, uh, you know, I got into my own trip. And as a horn player, um, I got into a lot of jazz. Um, you know, one musician that spoke to me very early was Lee Morgan, the trumpet player. Interesting. Once I, once I started listening to jazz, um, I was really excited. I remember hearing, once I, once I recognized that I could hear someone's voice through their horn, because it was yeah. different than a guitar for me or a keyboard or something like that. It was like... A, it was more like a human voice crying out to me. So once I got, uh, uh, you know, and, I, and I've always been attracted to instruments like that, and I think that's maybe why I gravitated towards the trombone or like, I've you know, I've always loved like sounds like the uh, uh, the dobro, or the slide guitar. It's like it's very similar to a human voice to me. So, um, uh, you know, so... In any case, uh, that led me to, I don't know, down many roads. So I started with Lee Morgan. That was the kind of the first horn player that I was like, I heard his voice. And then, of course, Miles came. And then I got really into, like, organ and guitar jazz, like Jimmy Smith, a great Philadelphian uh, yeah. organist, uh, Grant Greens. Uh, 
and and so I've kind of always walked the line with that, like with the soul and uh, and jazz thing. I like the jazz players that kind of had a foot in the R and B and the jazz and the uh, and the soul world, like Grant Green or uh, Cannonball Adderley, like uh, cats like that. And uh, so the jazz thing kind of formed, I think my. Uh, my uh, color of pop music in that I, I got in loving like the uh, Paul Simons and the things yeah. like that, you know, that had maybe a slightly more extended tonal and chordal base to their songwriting than, uh, than, uh, you than know, kiss, than kiss, but I uh, hate no knock to kiss there, but, uh, uh, but you know, then, then the other side of me is kind of like, like I grew up listening to a lot of, uh, country music from my dad bluegrass the stanley brothers and stuff like that so i also love uh the three chords and the truth kind of thing so i think my sound is somewhere in between that yeah when i hear it i mean i hear a lot of different things i mean every now and again i get a little flavor of that paul simon because you don't you don't go way down that road because you have to have a lot of major sevenths yeah you know a A lot lot of them city chords a lot of them city chords uh you know you got no no power chords yeah. Uh, yeah, I get a lot of that out of it, but you know, you've got a, a little soul, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a little folk, a little pop, yeah. you know, a little rock, of course, mixed in. Um, it's a cool, it's a, it's a tasteful. This sounds so ridiculous, man, but it's a tasteful melange, man. Well, thanks, man. It, it definitely is a mix. People, I'm, you know, I'm so bad at describing my own music, but growing up in Philly um, and and being a musician there, growing up, you definitely get that Philly soul uh, inspiration and motivation. So I think that plays into my sound as well, and then. Mix that with the kind of the folk and the more kind of country elements of my upbringing, and I don't know, you get you get what I'm putting down. Yeah, who do you think now? You know, what's what's the the newest artist that you have found like serious inspiration in? Hmm. You know, like for me, I think you know, there's artists. You know, there's the artists that are the, like legacy artists for me that go back yeah. a million years that I have always loved. It seems, and yes. will probably always love. Yeah, but then. You know, as we get older, I think we're, you know, even as musicians, we, we tend to get kind of set in our ways a little bit. So maybe we're a little less receptive to new music, but there's people out there uh, who I can think of in the, just the past few years. You know, they don't even have to be young kids, but people making music that's newer that I think, man, good God, like yeah. that's, it's new and amazing. Like, who are those people for you? That's a very good question. Uh, one that I should probably be more prepared for. I don't know the new artists. Uh, well, just think of like albums that you've bought recently, because most people, myself included, I don't buy a lot of music. I don't either. But you know, but the but the records that you actually don't spend money on, that's the stuff you, you know, probably I like, believe in. I like. Um, I don't know. I kind of like checking it all out. Like I'm, I'm really open minded in terms of new music I listen to, and uh, like I love listening to pop music. What's most current right now? Um, and just kind of simply gleaning like the production quality or the, you know, really the, for the production factor. Cause I, I kind of like seeing what's going on. Um, so with that in mind, I, I really love listening to whatever is current and whatever is on the radio. And, and with that in mind, it's like you take what's good, good and bad from that. You kind of make a note of like what I will never do in my music or what I will maybe try to incorporate a little bit of. Yeah. Um, let's see, in terms of like more recent artists that I really, really like, um, I don't know. I thought Band of Horses, I really liked their first record. Uh, I thought that their, their sound was just really 
it, yeah. it struck, a, it painted a picture to me that I really liked. Yeah. Now, that was uh, five years ago or something by now. So, uh, yeah. let's see. Yeah, I saw Josh Ritter actually nice. play with them. I mean, they shared a bill together probably around the time of their first record. Cool. First time I'd heard of them. Nice. Yeah, they're, I think they're, uh, I, I mean, as a, they're the rare, like, band that's a, I think, a really, you know, has a really clear kind of concept of sound. They're like, uh, that new Lord song that's been number one on the charts for weeks now, Royals, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I listen to it all. I mean, that's such a wide jump from yeah. Band of Horses to Lord. But, uh, you know, I really, I listen to it all. I listen to the radio when I'm in the car. I listen to, uh, I don't know, I listen to everything. I keep a country preset on my car, not because I'm, I'm, I don't buy country music. The new stuff out of Nashville, the really slick stuff, kind of vexes me, honestly. Yeah. But I'm still fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by how it's put together and yeah. how it's produced and and how it morphs over time and how uh, it it pulls. It's, it's pulling in stylistic elements from all over the the charts nowadays. Like the country, it's it has it's been almost indistinguishable from pop. Yeah. For years, but yeah. you know now they're bringing in like. Like the, the the unison chorus shout chorus thing it's, from the indie side, and they're bringing really, in rap elements from the rap side. It's getting kind of weird. It's really pop music with a pedal steel or a mandolin. I yeah. mean, that's what country is now. But but uh, you know, I listen to everything as a student, um, as especially as a producer. You know, as a someone who makes records, I listen to everything to hopefully take something valuable away from it. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, you know, the truth is, I really. Uh, veer more towards uh slightly older artists when i listen to when i when i yeah. put on music to enjoy to listen to and that it's a huge variety i mean this week i've been listening to a lot of you know jobim you know brazilian samba music on the nylon string guitar you know it varies wildly but uh i'm always looking for new stuff and or old stuff yeah. to enjoy I'm kind of in a monk phase. Nice. Lately. I mean, you can't go wrong. It's, it's yeah. a good place to be. It's a great place to be. And I and I consistently go back to, you know, the monks or the miles or like, for me, Bob Marley was a huge influence in terms of, uh, I think he's an incredibly unsung songwriter. I think he is too. You know, uh, but also the way that his records just have layers of this rhythm and this groove and it's lay, and you can dissect the layers and, and you know. Uh, as a producer and uh, somebody that wants to make records, to me that was a yeah. some eye-opening stuff. One last shout-out before I want you to play your last song yes. for, for, for me personally is that we're right before Christmas here, and uh, one of my favorite albums of all time, I am obs- I'm obsessed with this album, is the Vince Guaraldi Charlie Brown Christmas album. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've probably driven every dun, single dun, girl dun, I've dun, ever... Dun, 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 dun. It's the whole thing. Well, it's not just the Linus and Lucy tune. It's the whole, yeah, the it's whole the thing. Whole is, thing. Sets the tone. I'm obsessed with it. Like I, I've probably driven every single girlfriend I've ever had insane. <laughs> because on, on sundown on Thanksgiving, I start playing the album, nice. and I play it like Sgt. Pepper nice. until like New Year's Day. Yeah. So. I'm like three weeks in now, right? And I, I mean, I haven't grown tired of it at all. Yeah, you know, every and every year, I think I find a new lick. Yeah, that I like the most, either a little piano run or like a one little bass lick or some little thing that the drummer does. It's a trio, it's a trio album. Anyway, well, that's a cool example of something that uh, I, you know, I don't know the backstory of how he made that music too well. You know, I know he was uh, 
commission for the Charlie Brown thing, but like, did he write it for Charlie Brown or did he have kind of these ideas and that, you know, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, uh, gives more ammunition to my theory that like, like I personally love writing for, if I get an opportunity to write for somebody else or write uh, for a commercial or TV kind of thing, I always enjoy it for the simple fact that it makes me write more, you know? Yeah. So, you know, when it's an somebody, exercise, it's an exercise that sometimes yields pretty interesting and sometimes really good results, even if it's not what you set out to do. So when somebody makes a classic record like that, that was, uh, that's obviously, uh, attached so closely to the, uh, the animated movie. I, I, I don't know. I wonder about that, what his process yeah. was. Yeah, man. And then he died young. He wasn't, he, he died. Actually, he had a heart attack. Like, like he walked off stage and had a heart attack and oh. died pretty much right thereafter. So it's a, a he sad He almost loss. died doing what he loved to do. Yeah, well, pretty much. Pretty close, much. I'm going to say close enough, man. Yeah, close enough for close me. Close enough. Speaking of that, I, I we don't die playing the song, but we've got one more tune, man. <laughs> Hopefully I'll make it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to leave you uh, with... This song, Meet Me in L.A., which is very much the story of, uh, of me coming here to make my music. All right. Well, that can bring us, brings us full circle, man. Coming to Philly, to L.A. to kind of fulfill your dreams, put down roots. Now you've got a family making great music. Looking forward to this new record, man. So how about let's hear this. I left my family and my home somewhere back east Chained myself to this dream, maybe it chained itself to me We pulled each other west towards the sea where I now rest See beneath my tall palm trees Told me that the sun's gonna shine all the time And it is Won't you please come meet me in Los Angeles These helicopters fly over miles all day and night Flying Wherever it is they need to be And you may think I'm nuts But one day that's gonna be us California called me Come see beneath my tall palm trees Told me that the sun's gonna shine all the time And it is Won't you please come meet me in Los Angeles Please come meet me in Los Angeles Won't you please come meet me Thank you.
sit beneath my tall palm trees Told me that the sun gonna shine all the time And it is Won't you please come meet me in Los Angeles Please come meet me in Los Angeles Won't you please come meet me One last time, George Stanford here on Independence Day, man. That was cool. I like how you've got minor key stuff. Uh, yeah, a lot of my stuff, I think, to, uh, leans towards the darker my, side. I think my favorite thing in the world is uh, the minor key verse, major key chorus. Yeah, sure. One of my favorite things in the world. The Jayhawks do that so yeah, totally. well. So, so well. Bring so, you back from the depths of despair with a triumphant chorus. Totally. Except for the, I also like the Pickerty Third, too. Oh, sure. Like the entire Pink Floyd Wish You Were Here album is in a minor key, totally. except for the last chord. Anyway, man, so people can drop by your website, georgestanford.com, find you on facebook.com slash georgestanfordmusic, follow them on Twitter at georgestanford. You've got a couple dates coming up here. You're playing back in your uh, hometown at the end of the month. Yes. Not too long from now, the 29th, the Tin Angel in Philadelphia. So if yeah. you find yourself there, uh, tickets are available already? Tickets are available, but going fast. It's a great, it's my hometown crowd. Uh, yeah. My shows at the Tin are always a blast. So Yeah, I wish I could be there, man. I'll be elsewhere for that kind of thing. Uh, also, you're doing kind of a Sora pseudo residency at the Piano Bar in Hollywood Tuesday nights, correct? Tuesday nights. Uh, I'm on the East Coast until January 7th. When I return, my Tuesday night residency will resume okay. at Piano Bar, and that's been just such an incredible, uh, fun night. That's are those uh, solo shows? Uh, those are with my band. Oh, very and then, nice. Uh, some very good friends of mine and very talented cats. Uh, Johnny Moezi is a great local uh, Hollywood guitar player, songwriter, and Foster Tim's, whose uh, first record I produced. And I, I'm actually playing bass in Foster's band. We do a very just kind of communal musical throwdown on Tuesday nights at Piano Bar. So, so come on out. So check that out. Is there a cover for that? It is uh, free as can be, which is a plus for you audience members. Indeed, especially here in L.A., because yeah. we are cheap bastards when Total, it comes to oh. music here in L.A. If we're, gotta, not, if we're not on the list... you got to save money for gas, man. If we're not on the list, we're not going. And yeah. tacos at the taco yeah. truck. So, man, George Stanford, I can't thank you enough, man. I wish a, a happy Christmas, happy holidays, profitable New Year, safe, happy, healthy New Year to you and your family, man. Likewise, Good Joe. luck. Thanks I, so much for having me. My pleasure. Looking forward to hearing that new record, too. So thank you so much to George Stanford, also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Whatever holiday you celebrate, please have a great one. And as always, please be good to one another.